welcome back to Vulcan Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast podcast that I have just officially named Vulcan Hello. I am your host, Scott McDelty. I am joined by two new panels, panelists to the Flashcast, Liz Miles. Liz, thank you for joining me. Hello. And James Thompson. James, thank you for joining me as well. A pleasure, always. You are both... Uh, across the ocean from me, this makes a, this marks the first, I believe, international Star Trek Discovery flashcast. It's very exciting. And the Scottishest. That's, yes, that's right. We are two-thirds of Scottish podcast. This is the most Scottish podcast I've ever been on. And my name is Scott, so... Ooh! Ooh. <laughs> I get a little bit of credit wow. for that. Like, it's crazy. Uh, no. Well, we shall officially adopt you then. Oh, thank you. Yes. Great. I'm, I yeah. will apply for citizenship and uh, move forthwith. Uh, this episode, we're talking about episode three of Star Trek Discovery, which is called Context is for Kings. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that title, but that's the title, so <laughs> we'll use it. It has alliteration it. in it, so therefore it's good. Oh, all right. Uh, I still think <laughs> Vulcan Hello is the strongest title we've had so far, but... I'd rank this as second. Battle of the Binary Stars was third. Uh, <laughs> before we get into the uh, the specifics of this episode and the minutia of the ti- the titles, oh, we already got into that. I wanted to ask you both because this is the first time that we've talked about a discovery together. Uh, something that I have seen on on the Twitter and the interwebs is uh, people complaining about Star Trek Discovery because they don't think it is Star Trekky enough. Uh, so I have a two-part question for both of you. Do you think that Star Trek Discovery is Star Trekky enough? And what is Star Trekky mean to you? Liz, what do you think? Well, to take those questions in reverse order, Star Trekky <laughs> for me means a hefty dose of Romulans and Andorians and a limited number of sodden Klingons. <laughs> Uh oh. <laughs> and <laughs> however I'm quite taken with the Klingons in this story. And um is it Star Trek enough for me? Well, based on my aforementioned criteria, technically no, but based on my actual reaction to it, oh my god, yes. I love it. I love it like pie. It's amazing and delightful and it feels so fresh and cool and modern and awesome. And I'm never, I've never been annoyed by it so far. I was informed by the Twitters that apparently there's like quite a lot of exposition. And I feel like saying, have you never seen Star Trek before? Do you not <laughs> hear stuff like the counsellor, a lieutenant commander on the Enterprise asking things like, what's a warp core breach? And I'm like, wow. And you, you complain about this exposition when we've got that. That's, that's just shocking to me. Um, that's, that's just my favourite example of, of rubbish. But yes, and I say this, gosh darn it, should you question my Star Trek credentials as someone who's seen the whole sodding world of Star Trek several times over. <laughs> well, you'll get no questioning from me. Uh, but I will say, we see a glimpse of Romulus in this episode and Andorians are oh, yeah. mentioned. <laughs> yes, I know. This, this, to, just to get in my complaints early. One, they've mentioned Andorians every episode and they haven't shown me one. And I think it's cruel and mean and I'm appalled. And also, whilst I don't really care much, well, I care a little bit about continuity, but like, I'm not really bothered about things like, ooh, the spaceship looks more advanced. I'm, I'm okay with that, that's fine. But the fact that we got a picture of Romulus when we don't even know what Romulans look like because of Balance of Terror, I'm a bit like, 
Really? But on the other hand, I don't really care that much. So. <laughs> well, they didn't show any actual Romulans. They just showed Romulus. So you well, know. Maybe, yeah, maybe they got like a space probe that somehow just took a picture of the planet but didn't see any people on it. There are a lot of questions about how you travel by fungus in uh, Star Trek Discovery, which we will get to. Uh, but James, do you want to answer? Or you can answer the question in any order you like. <laughs> well, um, my... Uh, sort of canonical Star Trek uh, is Deep Space Nine, which is a land of murky shades of grey and all sorts of shenanigans going on. And it's clear, you know, we're we're already in the dark middle chapter of Discovery by episode three. Uh, This is not going to be a jolly romp, but it seems pretty much in the spirit of the sort of questionable aspects that went on in Deep Space Nine, uh, which I very much enjoyed. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, how can this not be a Star Trek series? Because there is a triple sitting <laughs> on the captain's desk. And I know it's a triple. There was some debate on the internet whether it was actually a triple. Of course, it was a triple. But the subtitles said triple cooing every like five minutes why would so, even be debate what kind of star trek watching person are you when you can't recognize a triple coo exactly. it is true there i'm Not surprised that I gatekeep, but <laughs> triple coos, well yeah you have to do your homework but, people um it yeah i mean it it it's, it's clearly Star Trek, and yeah, it's it's not like fun and adventure and and stuff like that. But oh. that, I don't care. I mean, this seems uh, yeah, well. I mean, you can compare it to something like Battlestar Galactica, I, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> or, or maybe you can't. Battlestar Galactica is miserable. This Star Trek, whilst it's quite a bit of serious business, there's fun in it. Do we not remember Michael Burnham's epic, oh my gosh, zap across the stars to investigate a scary thing? It was full yeah. of thunder and magic. And yeah, CGI. and mm-hmm. sure. And people walk down corridors eating blueberries out of bowls <laughs> yeah. because the, the, That's what you do. it's full of whimsy like that, uh, it, admittedly. But I mean, given that we had at least one cast member in common with Battlestar Galactica, that's probably why I had it oh, in mind. There are Cylons. Um, uh, but yes, I, I did think when the... Um, head of security appeared i thought oh you're a cylon um but <laughs> trust her uh no i i'm i'm really enjoying it so far i mean it's kind of take it was well let's get into the episode rather than uh, talk about it <laughs> now but all right well i will say two people on on twitter did say that one person didn't like discovery because they uh like Star Trek, where Federation officers uphold uh, ideals. And I was like, have you watched Deep Space Nine? Cisco, spoiler alert for Deep Space Nine, assess, helps assassinate a Romulan. That's not so yeah, great. I, I, in my experience, the people with that opinion tend not to be terribly favorable towards DS. <laughs> and then someone else yeah. said, I don't like the fact that the, the Vulcans are so militaristic. And I was like, well, you probably haven't seen Enterprise, which I will forgive you for. Uh, but the Vulcans in that, not so nice either. So... <laughs> Not like this is crazy the stuff. Vulcans are okay in this. They just shoot Klingons on sight. That's fine. Well, that's apparently what you're supposed that. to do. I'm very, very for that. <laughs> but let's get to the episode. The episode starts. So this is really, I feel like, the first two episodes were set up so that we could get a little backstory of Michael Burnham and understand how far she has fallen. Uh, because she was a, like a model first officer, she had a great relationship with her captain, and then all sorts, everything goes to hell, 
And she ends up being court-martialed in a very dramatic, smoky courtroom that's very dark for no particular reason uh, in the first two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Or yes, you can't see anybody. It's very cheap. Uh, And so then we pick up with uh, Michael Burnham is on a shuttlecraft and being mysteriously transferred to another prison, one assumes. Uh, And this is where I think... Uh, there's often uh, people complain that perhaps Star Trek writers don't understand how computers work. I often think that perhaps they don't understand how space works, space works because there's like a storm <laughs> that they are going through. They don't understand how space works. They have faster than light travel. <laughs> well, that's true. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good point, Liz. <laughs> Uh, and so there's a lot of turbulence on this shuttlecraft, is what I'm saying. Uh, and in a very amusing scene, I thought, because I'm a cruel man, the uh, pilot has to go check it out. And so the pilot so, leaves. I, I have a question about this pilot. Was that pilot picked up by the Discovery? Oh. Or did they just die? Because if the whole thing has been, as we suspect, not to spoil it, is a, is a complete setup. Um, did this pilot just like sort of drift out into space? Oh, well, you know, that's a casualty of getting Michael Burnham on board Discovery. Yeah, that's what I thought, because I want to put that in my top 10 of hilarious Star Trek death. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Captain Lorca. Now, we haven't met him yet in this ep- yet, but he will be. He's introduced here. He's the captain of the Discovery. And he is what you might call uh, morally ambiguous. <laughs> Uh, so I, I had a, a question. So the the ship appears, and the registration number of the ship is NCC one zero thirty one. Yeah, no, I noticed that too. I thought that's interesting. Is this a Section thirty one ship? Yeah, oh. that, that was the thought. I hadn't even put that together, was, and I didn't know why that- Liz was ooing. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I was wondering, I'm sort of questioning that because is that too subtle or? I, well, I don't know because there's like, we've got the people running around with their black mm, uh, yes. badges yeah. and stuff yeah. and it, and everything, everything's sealed off. It's like Apple campus, you know, it's like, <laughs> you just can't get into all these areas. They've got an iPhone in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that, so do you, there, there's mysterious things afoot on the USS Discovery. We do not know what's going on, but we haven't even gotten on there yet uh, because we're still on the shuttle that's being eaten by these little, uh, what, species GS-54, which apparently love to eat electricity. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but whatever. (laughs) Uh, And uh, the shuttlecraft gets picked up by the USS Discovery, and we meet uh, the security chief, Commander Landry who uh, I think thumbs up for Commander Landry. Oh, God, yes. I was very excited. I actually spent the... I'm usually quite good at, like, actor spotting, but I did spend the entire spotting episode saying, where have I seen her before? Where have I seen... I did have to look it up. And obviously it's um, Tori in, uh, in Battlestar Galactica. And I was. I spent the whole episode being absolutely sodding terrified that she was going to get killed because <laughs> I was very, very angry about what happened to Tori on Battlestar Galactica <laughs> and the shoddiness that her character was treated. Um, so I really hope that uh, Rika Sherma gets a long and glorious run on Star Trek Discovery because one, that's what she deserves and two, that's clearly what the character deserves because she was pretty awesome. <laughs> she was, and I didn't know. I don't think she was listed as guest star, so I think she'll stick around for a little while. Also, one of the things that I know, I know she's a Canadian, but she's of of Indian descent. Um, and Star Trek, 
has not had a lot of like South Indian characters ever. The I mean, offhand, all I can think of is the ill-fated engineer, chief engineer of the Enterprise who appeared and then died in Lonely Among Us, which is in season one. Mm, yes, when I'm sure there were others, but that's the sort of that's like the biggest part I can remember, <laughs> which is a bit like, dude, really. It is nice to see a diversity of uh, human people and also many more aliens just kind of walking around casually, mm. uh, yeah. which is what you get when you can, you know, CBS has spent a little more money on the uh, the show. Uh, so kudos, to or, or at least on the. <laughs> I'm sure they've the, at least spent the money on the first three episodes. Yes, that is true. Although uh, Joe Steele, your friend and mine, did point out that the special effects in the third episode slightly not as impressive as the first two episodes, which uh, I agree with. Aren't uh, they? I I thought they were fine. I, I mean, I, we did. They look very we good, don't... but there were some moments when I was like, Have hmm. I just been tricked by Doctor Who? And doing anything with <laughs> a little bit of money is amazing. I thought it was great. I did like it, but they did. They, I did see a little drop off. Um, so I hope it doesn't. Every episode, there's not another uh, drop off, and then by the last episode, uh, it's like they're in car, you know, cardboard boxes uh, with Discovery written on the side. Uh, but let's talk about the Discovery because this is we see it for the first time in the third episode. It is unveiled in its majesty. What do we think of it as a starship? Both on the inside and out, it's, it's unlike any starship we have seen. Certainly on the inside. Um, Liz, well, um, the doors are different. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. It, it looks like a starship. Um, yeah, it's a shiny, gleaming starship. It's you got know. warp nacelles. You guys are not as excited about it as I am. In what I consider a traditional position, which I'm quite in favor of. I'm not so big on the sort of squishy, flat shape, like of the Defiant. Mm. I mean, I get that it's cool and stuff, but I like... I like big sticky-out warp knee cells that can be easily shot off. By <laughs> <laughs> I do like. But well, you got to see one explode in this episode, so that's true. Good. So we already know what's going to happen uh, to the USS Glenn. R.I.P. Uh, I do enjoy the the fact that it has, for some reason, like uh, interlocked uh, rings for the saucer. Uh, that's probably not the right way to describe it, but uh, I like that. Apparently, I'm the only person who obsesses about the starship, so we'll move on. Because uh, no, I, I like I like the design. Um, it it kind of looked you. oh, you're a little bit more <laughs> modern Mush. on the inside than it did on the outside. I thought. I, I I think basically my my I've always ever since I don't know which season of Voyager it was, but when they started using computer graphics, I find that a bit. Hmm. I I, I want them to use models. I want them to always use models mm. forever. And but it wasn't it wasn't too bad here. I wasn't staring at it with my eyes narrowed in anger. I was a bit, oh man, I wish that was a model. I do agree with you but, there. I think it would be better as a model. But it's not, but, sadly. But it was it wasn't terrible. I did I did like the reveal. I did get a little a little thrill. Like you know in um which film is it? Uh Star Trek whichever it's Star Trek three when they reveal the new Enterprise. no, that's not the right one. Star it must be the end of Star Trek Four when they reveal the new Enterprise. Is it? No, it's not. They've got a whale. No. Where's the one where they revealed the fixed enterprise? <laughs> I, I, uh, oh, I've forgotten. Anywho. It's late here. I did get a bit of the same kind of thrill as with that when we sort of panned across it and we're like, ooh. Yes. Bask in the glory of a new starship, everyone. That looks exact. Well, no. Okay. See, this is what I I thought that was a bit like the Enterprise, but apparently it doesn't. So it doesn't. Whatever. I don't think it. I mean, it's obviously of the same ilk. 
but I think it looks different enough. But we've, we spent enough time talking about this ship, <laughs> I think. So let's go back inside uh, where we are. So the, the Oh, and we skipped over. I thought it was interesting. We, being me, skipped over. On the shuttlecraft, there's this little scene where the rest of the convicts are talking and they realize who Michael Burnham is. Uh, but we get this glimpse of, you know, Star Trek has always been like, you know, humanity has eliminated violence and everybody's happy. Uh, but there's a dude on that ship who, that shuttle, who's like killed a bunch of people, apparently. <laughs> He's a murderer. Yeah. That's not cool. But well, there was also, he, uh, sorry, go on. Even the happy clappy of Star Treks, or the beigest of Star Treks, as it's correctly known, they still like have prisons and stuff because that's true. Out of one, so they do have prisons. They just, just don't talk about it. The, the prisoners we don't we see don't usually talk about. Yay! I kill people. Aren't I awesome. <laughs> Let's kill you too. That was quite like. I, I enjoy murdering. <laughs> Yeah, there was a line in that something about Starfleet's first mutineer, and I'm thinking, is it? I mean, I'm sure we've had some mutiny before in the timeline before this happened. I, w- I would think so. Apparently not. That's how happy clappy they are. Everybody, See, it yeah. is optimistic and Twitter. <laughs> yeah, there you go in your face, Twitter. But Michael Burnham <laughs> is going to ruin everything. She is, and she's single-handedly apparently started this Star- whole war. Yeah. Well, I'd like to blame some of the Klingons as well. It seemed to me it was a bit their fault too. Yeah, well, so they were just, you know, innocently massing on Federation border in their warships. Determined to declare war, but she just got in there first in the next yeah. time. You can't take Burnham I, I, anywhere. I think they're being a trifle unfair on her. Like, everybody's like, oh, you, you know, you're responsible for the 8,186 dead, including my brother or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, it's not and- like she shot them. I'm pretty sure the Klingons shot them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She did kind of spark it, but I believe it was certainly well uh, well stoked by, what's his name, Tecumva or whatever his name is. He This was his plan, and she just helped him see it through without even knowing uh so the klingons really are the people are the wrong the bad people and what about the what happened to those andorians anyway uh no andorians yet but we do get to see the cafeteria (laughs) 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 which is fun everybody has a lunch tray everybody's hanging out nobody wants to sit with burnham (laughs) i like these lunch trays because i we did see them in the original series but we didn't really see them in next gen or after i don't think that's true yeah, it just seemed a bit high school with the why why do they lead her in there and sort of, you know, well you can't sit with me or you can't sit with me. I mean it's but I did like we got a bit of Vulcan uh, martial arts and yes. she beat down some fools. Susmahan, yeah. is that how you say it? Manhan or something? Where she uh yeah, the the, the her fellow convicts who are also everybody's just hanging out in Discovery, having lunch, uh, and yeah. they decide now's a good time in a room full of Starfleet officers uh, to beat somebody up and try to kill them. I, I just, I, my question is, how? what's the crew uh, complement of this ship? And how big is this mess hall? You know, 300 d- is the crew complement. Oh, wait, that was the number of labs. Right. Yeah. Okay, I, me, I don't know. I think the, they would have to have a pretty big mess hall. Uh, for that number of people, unless everybody has to take their lunch like at different hours through the day and stuff. Oh, that might be what they have to do. Or they have multiple they, mess halls. So you might have replicators in their in their rooms, maybe. Oh. All right, so nobody eats together. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. the people who want to. Yeah. If you want to get beat up by some convicts, you go to the mess hall. <laughs> uh, but Burnham beats them up. Uh, 
because using a Klingon martial art that was introduced, I should add, in Enterprise. Therefore, they're not just restricting their doodads to Star Trek that's highly regarded. They're also like, oh, Enterprise, you come on board with your continuity references that nobody will recognize. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Some people uh, were very excited about that. I did not recognize it, but uh, that that is fine. Uh, and this is, I forget what happens. She 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 beats him up, and then uh, I guess she has to, she gets, oh, the captain wants to see her, right? What's her face? Yeah. Commander La- Landry is watching. said, like a goddamn hero. Mm-hmm. She is. And she says, the captain wants to see you. And so she goes, they go to see the captain. Uh, and that's when Landry says the Vulcan should really stick to logic. Although that's martial art looked quite effective to me. So I don't know <laughs> what she meant by that, but it was funny. Uh, and this is now we meet Captain Lorca, Gabriel. And we are, we are contractually obliged to say hello to Jason Isaacs. Yes, that is a reference I still don't get, but somebody who's listening will get it. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a reference to the uh, film review uh, show on Radio 5 with uh, uh, Mark Kermode. And Jason Isaacs said he was a listener at one point, And then basically in every episode, they say hello to Jason Isaacs. <laughs> so now people walk down the street and whenever they see him, say hello to Jason Isaacs. And I'm sure it drives him absolutely berserk at this point. But That is awesome. We have to do it. And he's so hello to him. We know the things we learned from him in this scene are very strange indeed. My biggest problem, though, is that there is in fact a triple on his desk. Woo! I, well, he's got a bowl of like fortune and a bowl cookies. of fortune cookies. Why, um, why is the triple a problem? It is a problem. He's got a bowl of triples and a bowl of fortune cookies. <laughs> and are the he triples going to snack on the triples? <laughs> but he only has one triple. That's the problem. I wanted every time they cut back to his office to have <laughs> okay. another triple there, <laughs> an exponentially <laughs> la- growth of triples. You think he understands? You should basically be more or less starving the triple to death. And no, you feed them fortune cookies, and then they don't <laughs> or, reproduce. Or apparently fortune cookies, and then they don't They don't. They, grow. they read the fortune, I, and they have a crisis. I assume that he doesn't actually love the triple, that that's his Klingon detector, in case Klingons sneak into his ready room. That is what uh, I thought that, as well. That, that's a Section 31 trick, if ever I heard one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I want, and then I wondered, is that triple both spayed and neutered? Because, you know, they, they are born pregnant. So maybe that's how he does it. He has it there. It's just hanging out. Cool. I like to think it's a spy and it it has spy training. It's a spy. (laughs) (laughs) So, is this this triple in your mind is a Starfleet officer? Then, oh, I would love that. (laughs) Give it a little uniform, Lieutenant (laughs) Commander. Cooling triple. I oh. think that that must be true. Now I, I imagine under that fur, there's a little com badge. Yeah, if it, if the camera had panned round, you'd have seen the com badge on the other side. <laughs> and this is where we we find out that uh, he's had some kind of horrific battle uh, uh, injury that just increases the drama. So he has to start. All rooms must be dimmed and then slowly lit so that it doesn't hurt his eyes, which seems kind of weird. Ca- can't he wear, like, glasses or, or something? Or? Well, he, he wanted to keep his eyes, and he doesn't want to wear he's glasses. he's, like, too manly to want accoutrements. He's like, I must be the alpha man, uh, like Captain Kirk, and therefore suffer the pain, because that is very sensible and exactly what you want in a captain in a 
battle situation. Lights might be going off quite rapidly. I did like the shot of the like the galaxy reflecting mm. in his eye. That yes, was quite good. that was very cool. So, what do we think of Cap? Do we think Captain Lorca? So we see him a couple times. I think he might be up to no good. I don't know. It's just just I, me. I, well, <laughs> I think he is probably you know he's what the galaxy needs. Mm. Oh, whatever. No, oh, I don't know. I don't know. He, I mean, he does keep a room of dead animals. He so does, I think and that's, living. That's maybe. I like to think it's a double bluff, and he's secretly the nicest person in stuff. <laughs> He just wants a hug. I, I have to say, I, I'm super biased towards him because I am a massive Jason Isaacs fan since uh, oh, uh, since I accidentally saw The Patriot and Peter Pan in the same year. It was like, oh, God, I love you. You're beautiful. So I, I have I have seen a terrifying amount of his back. His, his back oeuvre. Wall, including, including some truly atrocious stuff. I do love him, so I'm, I'm inclined to think that he's going to be great. But I then think he, the last thing I saw him in, he was locking people in glass tubes, which he also does here, which is uh, disturbing. That's true. Yeah. And, and there is the, the sort of standard, well, let's cast a British person, because that gives them a sort of air of possible evilness. But he's got an American accent, and he's, <laughs> he's trying to trick us by making it a bit Southern, which is the nicest American accent associated with lovely Dr. McCoy. It's true. So, I don't know. Yeah. I do like his ambiguity. He's, he has a vaguely Southern accent, and apparently his family had uh, a fortune cookie business. <laughs> <laughs> he is a cipher, this Captain Lorca. <laughs> I, I would like him in every episode to open a fortune cookie and read it to another character. Ooh, yes. That can be his tea, Earl Grey Hot. Oh, yes. that's right. Or, or maybe all of them, you open them up and it says, you're going to die in episode four. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, haunting and then he just eats the cookie and walks away <laughs> <laughs> hands it to the triple <laughs> what does this say lieutenant commander triple <laughs> uh, yeah, so he she Burnham is like uh, something's not right here I think you set up this whole thing how could you have just been in the right place at the right time. I wasn't told about the transfer. She thinks he has engineered this entire thing. And frankly, I think she's right. But he does not cop to it, I don't think, in this scene. Does he? No, he doesn't. But later... No, I think he does later, but not yet. A little bit later, he says he's he's been given great powers by, the, by Starfleet to do whatever he wants to figure out how to beat the Klingons, basically. Uh, and then somebody's like, I like the cut of your jib, Burnham. Uh, go down to engineering and start working. <laughs> Oh, man, I've changed my mind. I want that to be his thing. I want him to say, cut up your gym. <laughs> I don't think it really goes with this, the character he's trying to portray. But... I know! That's why it'd be hilarious. <laughs> and so this is what we see for the first time. Uh, well, no, I guess she goes to her temporary she quarters first, right? She goes to her room and meets her new yes. roommate. Yay. What do we think of her roommate? Uh, Tilly, right, is her name? I love her. I love Cadet her Tilly. Because, because it's like, oh, I get to be on the Enterprise now. That is me. That is just being <laughs> awkward and slightly weird and nervous and talking too much. And that's like, oh, oh my God. It's like basically Reg Barkley, mm-hmm. but a girl who doesn't have a weird hollow sweet obsession. And <laughs> that we know just, of. Oh, I don't know of. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh man. That's great. I, I, I did think she was going to die for the whole oh, episode. I did too. She did not. 
Oh, she no, survived. I, I knew she wasn't because she's in the main credits. So I was like, she's fine. They didn't say special guest for her, so she's not doomed. <laughs> That's true. And I did like, uh, well, my main problem was she, I thought it was a really cute scene when she was like, oh, Michael, I've never met a female named Michael. There's only one female I know that's named Michael, who, Michael Burnham, the mutineer. And I thought to myself, wouldn't, everybody seems to know who Michael Burnham is. And I believe they have pictures in the future. <laughs> but so not she, books, apparently. Maybe no she books. read it on one of those, well, I don't know if you've seen like DS9 data pads. Oh, wait, they do have pictures. Damn it. Mm, see, maybe so she I, just doesn't like the pictures. Maybe she turns the pictures off. Oh, to save bandwidth. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> she's like, I don't want to see these pictures. So she had no she's idea. Got, what yeah, she's got an ad blocker installed. Or and like, <laughs> so maybe she's just got poor facial recognition. That's true. And yeah, I shouldn't yeah. assume. Uh, we also know that she has asthma. That is, um, <laughs> or does she? She seems to lie about everything. Oh, do you think she's well, lying? Well, she was like, oh, you can't sit here. You well, know, that's you true. You can't come to this station. And you know, it's like, oh, yeah. That's the I've, only thing I've, she lied about, though, I think. Did she lie about well, anything else? They're, they're like little lies. They're like, I, I don't know, little small lies. She wants comfort in her surroundings and doesn't want people interfering. And okay, if she'd picked that bed and someone came into it, I would I would want them to get out of it too. That's true. That so, oh, and I think what she's doing, now I'm totally on board with you, James, because I think what she's doing is trying to avoid conflict. And so yes. she's saying, I'm alert, I have, you know, asthma and I will snore I have asthma and these completely identical looking <laughs> sheets on the other side are actually made of something else. You're totally right. I am on board with you and that fits with the character. Yeah, that, that's her thing. Little that's- white lies to get her out of socially awkward situations. Mm-hmm. And who, haven't we always been there? All of us. I do that all yes. the time. Constantly. Uh, <laughs> I can't but tell then- you- I've forgotten how to tell the truth. <laughs> this has become a therapy session. But then we get a black alert. Oh, oh yes. God, I actually did laugh at that. Is that I wrong? did. Because I was like, what? Seriously? It's, it's like the, you know, the starship alert for men. <laughs> black alert. Yeah, I, I, ha- I think that was maybe the only moment where I was like a little thrown out. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, but in an unrealistically hilarious way. Even though that's so silly, it's just an alert colour. Why am I that bothered? Because black wrong. isn't black is an absence of colour. It's like if <laughs> you flash if you flash color. if you flash the the warning uh, lights black, it's, it's kinda not hard gonna to do very much. It's true. Just a black light goes on, you see a lot of stains you didn't want to see. Uh <laughs> And then you have to move on. Uh, and it's they don't explain what the black alert is, but we I assume it means that they are, spoiler alert, it's working the, on the, the fungus. The, the spores are acting up again. Yes. Because and this see, weird liquid appears. Yeah, liquid starts to float. And it's weird things are going on in Discovery. Uh, and Burnham wants to get to the bottom of it. But before she could do that, she needs to report to engineering, uh, where she meets... Once again, her roommate, who doesn't want her to stand at her uh, her little um, station, Console. right? So she says that we have a sign seating, uh, and then uh, we meet more high school stuff. It's true. We meet uh, what Stamet? Is that how you say it? Stamet. Stamets, Yeah. Stamet, the uh, engineer, chief engineer of the USS Discovery, uh, and we also find out that everything in engineering is like top secret and locked behind. The strangest security measure I believe Star Trek has offered to date: the breath, a lo- breath lock or something. Breath ID, I think we'll call breath it. ID. Yes, which I just thought really, and I knew why they did it because later Burnham breaks it rather easily uh, because it's ridiculous. Uh, but 
I, I just, thought that was a bit cooler than her like opening a console thing and fiddling with wires for a couple of seconds. Yeah, no, it certainly looked cooler, but that's why I was just thinking this is not a great security. Starfleet security is still not good because this is just a bad idea, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, nobody cares. Anyway, and this is where we find out that something weird is happening. Stabbit loves fungus. Uh, <laughs> and the Beatles. And the Beatles, yes. Uh, he his, uh, And Burnham is not, uh, what should we call it, uh, John Lennon. So she has to, you know, get on board. And he basically gives her, like, a whiteboard job interview. You know, here's some code. Go and find the line that's broken in it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And doesn't tell her what the code does. <laughs> yeah. Which seems like... Standard job interview. Not great. Uh, and then we also learn that there, the USS Discovery has a sister ship called the USS Glenn. And on that sister ship is uh, another person working with uh, Strange, at this point we don't know, but it's the fungus that uh, lets you do instantaneous interstellar travel. Uh, and he is getting better results than our friend Stabbit. Stabbit's not so happy about it. Uh, but uh, turns out uh, they're about to chest out something, and it goes horribly awry. Yeah. And, and now they're just drifting in space. I don't think I've skipped anything else. Nothing happens between engineering and the drifting, does it? That's of importance. I don't think so. No, we just get an announcement that the USS Glenn has been lost. Oh, poor Glenn. And so they go to it. They uh, gather a boarding party. The captain's like, hey, Burnham, uh, you're going to be part of the boarding party. <laughs> Which seems weird, but hey, why not? Uh, Tilly's very excited to be on the boarding party. And off they go. It's her first boarding party. She's Which is excited. the point where I thought you're going to die. Yes. That's what Marisa, my wife, know. turned to me and said, she's going to die. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> They also have a random oh. security guy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the unnamed security guy. <laughs> Who, spoiler alert, does in fact die. Uh, and here's my problem with this. I think it's a cool scene while they're on the Glen and seeing all kinds of mutilated people, which seemed a little uh, graphic for Star Trek, but I'm on board with it. Uh, but they're going on a ship, an experimental ship, I assume, that's full of uh, spores, and they don't put, like, environmental suits on. <laughs> Maybe they aren't, like, contagious spores. Maybe they know well enough about the spores, but like, they're not going to hurt your lungs. They're just going to warp time and space around like, you. I guess in like, a suit is not going to help. They're going to twist yeah. you and the environmental suit inside out. So All right. I, 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 with that. I, I'd like to think these are vaguely competent people who sometimes no. accidentally kill everyone on their ship. <laughs> it I, happens. One of my favourite genres is the sort of empty, spooky spaceship. Yes. Oh, um, yes. And it's sort of a, a bit event horizon, a bit, you know, of everything. And sort of Fluffy walking hats. around. Yeah. And and the whole sort of mutilated, mangled, twisted corpses and stuff, as you say, it's a bit more gruesome than we normally get on, on Star Trek. Um, yeah. And I, and I kind of liked it. And I was like, oh, I don't know where we're going here. The, my main problem with this whole scene is that Klingons know how to shush people. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part when uh, Commander Landry says, does that Klingon, did that Klingon shush you? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I have to agree with it. I love space horror. And I, because I, I'm usually, I'm very fernickety about my horror because I need it in a very narrow spectrum of, I want to be scared, but not sufficiently scared that I can't leave the room without the light on. And that's, that's like a really <laughs> difficult space to hit. But it's so much easier space horror because it's so removed. So it can be a little, 
there's there's it can be much scarier and weirder and grosser and I'm like that's fine it doesn't happen here does it I'm not on a spaceship it's all okay so it was just oh I I found that a little bit thrilling and awesome and cool and a lot I have noticed a lot of people saying it's a little bit mass a little bit mass effecty quite a lot mass effecty and I was like no this is Star Trek there are Star Trekky things in it but the wandering around the scary spaceship I was like Mm, okay and it was a little bit earlier where where burnham lies down in her quarters and the uh music playing at the time i was like is that the mass effect one main <laughs> thing? That, that sounds a lot like the mass effect one theme anyway but i but yeah no i have to agree i love the space horror it was very like uh, i was really reminded of the the ds9 in Pocknor, and then when i went to look up mm. facts and stuff i discovered that was in fact written by brian fuller who also wrote did you write the teleplay for this or the spec? I think for this? he might have write the story. He wrote the, yes. wrote the story. Yeah, and I was like, mm, okay, so you like space horror too? Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> I will say it was very. I liked the use of light and uh, or absence of light, and you know, every time they would highlight a mutilated corpse, it was very exciting. Uh, I hopefully no one edits that part out when I try to run for office and they play that <laughs> in the uh, the the attack ads. Mutilated corpse is very exciting. Um, and so they're, they're looking around, and so I I don't know if they explained this, and I missed it, but then there's this, like, this giant alien rampaging, rampaging around I, the ship. They did not explain it. Okay, I'm, good. My <laughs> assumption, and this is just my back uh, canon on this, is that their spore uh, thing managed to basically beam on some uh, monsters. Oh. So they opened a portal to, you know, hell, and... Uh, and in this whatever game. that thing came through it, <laughs> so that's the only that's the only way I think it got on the ship. Yeah, I did feel a little bit suspicious about random space monsters, even though I love random space monsters. But until <laughs> it got beamed on board at the end, and I was like, no, oh, they're not just going to drop it and then pretend it's just a random space monster. They're going to mm-hmm. do a thing. We're going to find it, out. It's going to be like these people really don't understand the episodic Star Trek format. Good for you. Well done. So I think it's going to be now. Uh, it's going to be like uh, Archer's uh, dog. And uh, Lorca is just going to have this for the rest of the... And it's going to go on away missions. Maybe maybe he can, like, name it Aramis. And and that's, like, where Archer got his inspiration. Uh, It was like he heard about this famous captain who had, like, a cute little space alien that murder people sometimes. Although, he thought of poor thoughts for his daughter. Well, Enterprise is yeah. before Discovery, right? So, oh, God damn it! I knew that! <laughs> Obviously I knew that. So he, well, uh, yeah. what's his face, gets uh, uh, other, other way around. Lorca. It, same excellent yes. observation. Mm-hmm. Other way oh, around. Just reverse it's, it. L- yes. Yeah. Lorca, so yes. It's late. Just, I, did, just, I, did, I do like how far we've come along with, with like random space monsters. Like if you compare... Um, Armus and Skin of Evil to this one. Wow. <laughs> it does look L- good. Look how, how technology has progressed. And it chases them around. It gives them a merry chase through yeah. uh, the USS Glen. And we go into conduits, which is we, always Yes. Fun. So, yes, they... Jeffrey's tube. They need to... Oh, that, that was actually... That was one of my favourite moments of the episode, was, was Burnham crawling through the Jeffrey's tube. So I, I absolutely... I madly adore um, the, um, Sonika Martin-Green, the way that she just portrays being a human raised on Vulcan. I love the mm-hmm. mix between Vulcan emotional control and expressing her humanity. Every single sodding scene I'm just like, this is this is brilliant. <laughs> I love it. And this was a this was a, for me a great example thing because if she had been like human, not raised on Vulcan, you know, you could get a little bit of the the panic and the worry and the oh dear God, a monster is chasing me on the face, maybe. 
but we didn't get any of that. But you still knew that she was like yard because she's reciting the story. Uh-huh. Alice, Alice in Wonderland. To mm-hmm. so, like focus her emotions and keep them under control. And I'm like, oh God, I love this. But she had a cool plan and it was like, you know, open the sunroof of the ship and I'll, <laughs> I'll just jump in and look cool. And it worked. And she looked cool and everybody liked it. Uh, and they got the fungus from the Glen. Uh, they weren't killed by the, the alien rampaging about. Everybody's happy. Uh, uh, they apart go, from that one security guy. Oh, yeah, that one security guy. R.I.P. Random security guy. He didn't even get a name. He, he didn't, didn't even care. No. He was. I was pretty sure when he joined the team, he was he was going to die. <laughs> uh, and then so they go back to the discovery, and I don't remember. I wanted to mention this. I don't remember where it happens. Where uh, Burnham is talking to Tilly about Alice in Wonderland, and she tells the story of how her mother would read it to her. Uh, her adopted mother would read it to her uh, on Vulcan, and this is where we find. And her brother, which means her brother, she's referring to. Is Spock? Might be Cyborg. It uh, could be Cyborg. That's true. It's not Cyborg. <laughs> it's probably not Cyborg. Uh, and she imagine, she says, and uh, Tilly says, "Oh, what's your brother? What was her name?" And it's Amanda. And we're like, "Ah!" I know. Everybody well, freaks out. Been cast, so we are going to get to see Amanda at some point. Now. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know what happened. What went down between her and Spock that Spock never, never. spoke of her ever again. Yes. And, well, well, he kind of like for most of his Spockian life. I mean, he got a bit more chilled towards him, but he didn't even mention that he was engaged or he really needed to get back to his planet or he would true, die. True, true. So he's like, he's pretty, he's pretty shut down. It's I mean, true. he didn't even mention that Sarek was his father until he was really forced to when they came on board. And it's like, Kirk saying, Spock, do you not want to visit your parents? And it's like, oh, these are my parents, actually, <laughs> which I didn't bother to mention ever. <laughs> Uh, oops <laughs> apparently spock does make a reference to um alice in wonderland in an episode of the animated series i read that on the internet it, ah it must I be true believe it may be true uh, oh, or even star trek 5 is Kirk's like you don't have a brother and spock's like yeah i do actually yeah, and, and that's him before he attacked and stole your starship sorry about that oops and kirk's like we've been friends for like 20 years <laughs> oh spock He's not the most open Vulcan that there is. Yeah, so, yeah I'm, I'm completely okay with that. I think a large part of the reason I'm okay with that is because it means we're going to get Sarek and Amanda. I really love them. That's true. And then now that they're back uh, on a successful mission, Lorca summons Burnham and says, Hey, uh, you should join my crew. And she says, uh, You seem like you're up to no good. I don't know if I want to join you. And there's this, I think this is a good scene where she says, I think you're extending me this offer based on the fact that I was a mutineer, and so you think that means something. But when, in fact, I was doing what I thought was right to uphold Federation ideals as opposed to rejecting them. Um, so I thought that was an interesting kind of uh, 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 exchange. Oh, yeah, and he says, you're exactly what mm-hmm. I want because you, you're a person who will do what needs to be done even if the rules say don't do it. So, and yeah. This is where we get the title, Context is for Kings, apply, implying that she uh, is not one of the uh, hoi polloi and that she is uh, willing to make the right decisions at the right time. Consequences be damned. And then well, he says... I th- I th- I'd like to think that the consequences are part of the context. That's but true. Also, I did love how she was kind of like, you're making biological weapons here. And he's like, no, 
we're just making an instantaneous travel thing that could have absolutely no military applications yes. whatsoever. That wouldn't make us a superpower in the quadrant. No, no, it's for, it's yeah. for, it's for good things. Oh, we're totally Let me cool. instantly show you several planets. And, yes, and step into my glass cube. <laughs> yes, I, I would yeah. not have got into his glass cube. It's like, just get in here. What, you're going to sort of transport me and merge me with a fly or something. Yeah, I don't think I, I would have gotten that cube either. But. Given that we saw what he's got in his office or whatever it was you know just rooms full of bits of creatures uh, well no okay oh, yeah this. he's got the triple like that's for show and he's got like a gorn skeleton and his, his <laughs> we should talk about that so he has like this weird dog. creepy study that he hangs out in apparently uh and so he commander landry says to him oh i uh you know i did what you asked me to do which was to transport uh the rampaging space monster from the Glen into uh, a cage in his uh, creepy uh, creature cave. Uh, and on the table, I noticed, I'm pretty sure, I only watched this once, so I could have been wrong, I think there was uh, two Cardassian voles. Hmm. Oh, I have to go watch that again. That's my fun fact, and I could be wrong, it's but like, I'm pretty sure. That, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit, that's a bit silly if it is, really. It's like, <laughs> that'd be like having two dead rats on your table. Well, he's, I think the implication like, is he's like ripping these things apart so he can figure out how yeah, he can use them. It's a Cardassian vol, man. It's just like a big scary rat. Yeah, but they're, they're so resilient. Yeah, they can chew if through can, stuff. <laughs> if you can use spore, fungus, whatever, to transport yourself around the universe, who knows what you can do with a vol? <laughs> that's right. Who knows where you'll go with a vol? <laughs> <laughs> That's the tagline there. Okay. Right. I, I, also, I thought that I thought that Lorca and like Landry were totally having a moment there. They totally mm. have a thing going on. Surely. Oh, do you think so? I thought so. Mm. I might have to go find some thick of that. And <laughs> I'm just going to find the thick about his dog, the adventures with his space dog. <laughs> uh, and Burdum, I believe, uh, takes him up on his offer, and now she's part of the discovery. Uh, and that's how it ends, right? I don't remember how it ends. Does it end? Uh, I think it ends it, basically panning out on his room of evil. Yeah, uh, it ends yes. on the one single part of the one scene in the whole episode where there are no women. So I was like, because I did that was that was a nice thing about the episode. Every single scene, I was I was watched because I pay attention to the background numbers because they're also oh. very poor mm. in terms of, of women. And every single scene, I was like, ah, okay. There's okay, a lady. I think I think you're paying attention to this Star Trek. I think you like <laughs> are taking the whole Star Trek diverse, infinite diversity and infinite combinations thing quite seriously. Maybe a little yes. bit. Yes. Yeah, uh, I did like the sort of look of um, the, the the his of of as we pan out in Lorca that he's sort of a space lord of stuff and wants to fight things a lot. Uh, oh, right. That's what I got from And it, it, pans, it zooms out of the window, right? And we see the discovery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could definitely imagine that being like the end of a Star Wars prequel movie and that's the shot we get of Tarkin. <laughs> Uh, and we totally I totally this is all on me I did not mention uh, Saru and his scenes at all so he's the first officer on the Discovery well he has his whole uh, blueberry he has the blueberries Mm -hmm. Um, and most of it I was going to say, most of his conversation was about blueberries. But he, he was also saying, you know, you were a really, really great officer until you weren't. And mm-hmm. that, that was a great line. I also yeah. loved the look between Saru and Burnham when she came onto the bridge. Oh, yeah, that was, was great. Like yeah. A little bit heartbreaking. And, and then, I like. Then the one when they were down in engineering and Lorca uh, <laughs> asked for Saru's assessment. And he's like, she's the most intelligent Starfleet officer I've ever met. 
and which I was like, <laughs> yes, she's the smartest person in the room. But also then Lorca's response to uh, Stamets is like, yeah, and he's met you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. Was I also like, oh. like Saru's little... Um, Ruffs that come out of his neck. Oh yes. Guys, what, what do they mean? I, I think they sense danger because he's a, like a prey right? animal. Ooh. So like whenever they pop out, we know something bad is about to happen. Yes, because they, they oh. pop out when the uh, the shuttle is leaving, and he thinks that Burnham is on it because that's where all the convicts are on it. But she's not because she's well, staying on the discovery. They pop out because he knows she's not on it. Oh, exactly. So I think because right, he, he does say like he fears her and stuff like that. Yes, and there's that great line where he says, "I plan to do a better job of protecting my captain than you did." Oh, God, yeah. that just, it hurts so much. All their scenes together, I just had <laughs> such emotional pain, and it's oh, it was just because oh, obviously I love Michelle Yeoh, and that was just the worst. Well. it was terrible and tragic. <laughs> and it's, it was like it was a bit like because um, the, the one of the things I, I loved about the pilot is the way they established their little um, trio on the ship so quickly and in so few scenes, and so this was a little bit like Spock had kind of got Kirk murdered and McCoy was being like you're really scary now but I still really respect you in ways and this is all really difficult it's just oh yeah it, it is surprising the the economy in which those first two episodes really kind of uh forge those kind of relationships playing on I'm sure the you know the the background that we all have with Star Trek and yeah. and the holy trinity of Kirk McCoy and Spock. And, uh, but it, it is amazing how quickly they did it and, and established this character, Burnham, and how much she lost. And then this interesting relationship with Saru. And it's just, I think it's been very well done so far. Yeah, I feel like they kind of maybe skipped like the first two seasons of most Star Trek. Se- well, not the original series. They, I think they did a marvelous job. But, but mm. like, I feel like the TNG and maybe to an extent DS9, even though I love the early stuff, they kind of have passed over that sort of laying background thing and skipped skate to yeah, skipped straight skipped straight to the stuff with depth and layers and complicated character things, which I really love and is yeah. is very exciting. I, I think the the thing that I'm wondering about all this is like a is the entire season going to be about space fungus? yes we can only hope and like clearly this technology is not something that is around later in the future so something is going either they're going to discover that no this is bad because it opens up portals to hell and we really shouldn't do that (laughs) or the ship explodes and everybody dies or something. <laughs> well, I, I hope that that's that one that happens. Uh, but this reminds me that Jason, uh, who has been on the previous two episodes but could not make it today, wanted me to mention an observation that he saw uh, where the guy on the USS Glenn said he they got better results because they weren't growing his own, which makes him think that perhaps uh, the fungus that they are using on Discovery they bought from Harry Mudd, and that's how we'll get Harry Mudd in on the action in coming episodes. Spoiler alert for people who did not know that Harry Mudd was going to be on future episodes of The Discovery. Of all the characters to choose. <laughs> but the thing is, like, see, I, when I first heard that announcement, I was like very, very eye-rolly and annoyed. But having you know seen the three episodes of Discovery, now I sadly trust them implicitly and assume everything <laughs> you do will be perfect and great. So, and it kind of fits I, in with, I'm definitely not set up to disappointment at all. 
<laughs> and it fits, it fits in, I think, so Captain Lorca is not your normal Starfleet captain, I think we can say at this point. Uh, he seems willing to do whatever he needs to do. He reminds me very much of the Peter Weller character in Star Trek Into Darkness, which I know is uh, probably uh, bad for some people, but I like Star Trek Into Darkness. So, Hey, Cisco uh, could live with it. You know, mm-hmm. he he brought the Romulans into the war. That's with true. Sneakiness and murder. <laughs> so he he Cisco, very complicated man. So, but Lorca, I think Lorca's the kind of captain that would uh, reach out to Harry Mudd and say, "Hey, do you have anything that could help us? Uh, Got any of that space fungus? That's right. Any of that good <laughs> space fungus? I heard something. I maybe Harry Mudd is where he got his triple from as well. Oh, yeah, that makes it, sense. It's like it's included in the package when you order. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to think. Yes, no, I love that. I'd like to think. Well, we can give you space fungus, and they're like iffy about the price and then Harry's like I can also give you this adorable little triple <laughs> and they're like oh yeah deal <laughs> would so you like happy. a fortune cookie <laughs> 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 well uh, so what did you both think of this episode as uh, a standalone Star Trek episode James well, I, what are your thoughts I, I I really liked it I mean I, as I said it's the spooky ship thing uh I wasn't expecting to get that out of my Star Trek, uh, <laughs> and I, I I really liked that bit, and 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 I like the I like that we have a sort of mysterious ship. So it's not like she's now on the ship and everything's great. It's like everybody on the ship hates her pretty mm-hmm. much at this point, uh, with a few bits of grudging respect. And you know, half the ship is locked off and secret, and there's clearly other things going on that. The, we don't know about yet so there's this sort of mystery and you know whether jason isaacs is evil or not uh and that sort of thing uh so yeah i, I thought it was i thought it was well done and i i didn't think the special effects were bad i know uh, i didn't I think that, they were bad and i but i thought there was some really uh there was a, a shot i think it was an exterior shot around a planet or something which just was all very red and looked very nice and mm-hmm. there was a few a few shots that i thought were really impressive and i liked all the it looks like they're still spending money on it you know they didn't just put all the money into the first two episodes and uh yeah i i it makes me want to see more which i guess is is the point that that is what you hope for i would assume if you're a producer of a show of any kind uh liz what what are your thoughts about it overall yeah i really loved it i thought it was a a fantastic follow-up to to the premiere and um i think my favorite thing about it was actually getting to meet some more of the characters i really enjoyed what we got of all of them more or less um uh, especially Saru again, and and uh, his new relationship with with Burnham and um, uh, Landry and Tilly, and there were some nice moments with the chief engineer dude, but I was really judgy at his conversation with his friend on the other <laughs> ship because it was a bit like, dudes, I, I don't care. Can we go back to Burnham now, please? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> He was the one character that I'm not sold on immediately. Yeah, he needs I'm, to uh, yeah. grow on me, Aha, like a fungus. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be be fine. I appreciate your hilarious pun there. Oh, thank um, you. 
<laughs> but I just I, I love the sense of mystery on the ship. I loved how it, how it, it does feel different to other Star Treks, but I feel like it should feel different. It should feel fresh and exciting, mm-hmm. and it does. And to me, it still feels fundamentally Star Trek. It's still taking place in that universe. So these people still have want to live up to the principles, but they're not. They're I think it's done a tremendous job in a very short length of time of giving us complicated flawed characters um i often find it irritating in series where especially female characters where you get the inverted commas here i'm making inverted commas signs with my hands at the moment where it's the strong female character meaning they're just kind of great and awesome at stuff and they don't they're not actually properly flawed and one of the the delightful things about burnham is she's a complete and utter kind of mess at the moment i mean she got her captain killed mm-hmm. she kind of started a war she uh betrayed her crew she's been sentenced to lifey thingamajiggery and as 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 jim said ever now she's now in this really awkward difficult situation on board where everyone hates her they don't trust her she doesn't know most of them she's got the constant reminder that she got georgia killed because Saru's there, she her captain is weird, and there's a war going on, and you know she she she's she's not out of her depth. She's so she's still clever and competent and awesome, but there's all these other things going on, and it's just like this this is great. This is I think no bleh, compared to any of the other uh, leads in the other Star Trek series, maybe I think really Cisco is her only competition for after three episodes. How complicated is this character? And I think she wins, really. And that's that's very exciting and fab and fantastic. And then, on top of all that, then there was space horror and running around the spaceship. So it was <laughs> yeah. like they thought... And a troll. Oh, well, you, you didn't have enough fun, did you? Did you want something else exciting and wonderful that you personally love? And it's like, <laughs> oh, right. Thank you for my um, metaphorical cherry, because I don't very like cherries that go on cakes but, you know, a, a, that a bowl of blueberries perhaps yes oh, yes it was like my blueberries <laughs> on my pancakes it was like you want maple syrup with that that's delicious and would you also like blueberries like mm, okay mm-hmm. let's let's make these maple syrup healthy and delicious and tasty. <laughs> nice i'm not sure that's how that works but i agree with you uh that uh it has done a great job so far of making complicated characters and creating relationships with them in a compressed time period that i believe uh so kudos to them also kudos to uh both you liz and james for joining me and talking about star trek discovery thank you so much uh, it was a pleasure thank you. Uh, can i interest you in a fortune cookie <laughs> oh no, it says I'm going to die. Oh, my fi- my final thought is we're ending, is I loved all the kind of um, the close-ups that we got of, of Michael in the uh, thingy uniform where we see the zip at the collar. And it, it felt like a saw to Gene Roddenberry and no zips in the future <laughs> that we had a zip featured so very heavily in this episode. It, it was uh, billed as a guest star on the beginning, so uh, the zip the up of her... Uh, Zip, guest star, the zip, mm-hmm. zip and triple, <laughs> zip and triple. Yes, that's that's a show. That's a spinoff that they should have. Star Trek, zip and triple. I'd watch that. 